Mark Madison. Welcome to Contractors Coffee Club presented by EGIA. This podcast lives at egia.org slash podcast. I have the privilege of interviewing my good friend and very successful contractor and author, Rick Busby. Rick, how are you this morning? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you? And fantastic. I'm just glad to be on this side of the grass. So we've known each other a long time. I'm trying to remember how we met and when. Well, we met in 2002, I believe, at uh, an Excellence Alliance meeting. I was a member of Excellence Alliance, which was a contractor group that was formed uh, about the same time the consolidation effort started. And uh, yes. you were a guest speaker. And afterward, or dur- after the end of your speech, you gave everyone a book. And I read your book, Freedom from Fear, on the way home on the airplane. And uh, emailed you and told you that I'm a student of personal growth material, and there was more information and fewer pages than any book I had ever read in my life. (laughs) And we started corresponding, and we became good friends. Yeah, we really did. I've been out there, what, five or six times? And I have fond memories of sitting on your porch with you having a cigar, so... Oh, so, you know, I obviously I know a fair amount about uh, your history and background, but for the listeners, one of the reasons I chose you, obviously, is our personal relationship, but you're a really successful contractor. And what I mean by that is, you know, in addition to, you know, kind of owning the market in Augusta, Georgia, your employees love you. And and I say that because I spent, you know, serious amounts of time with the people that you, uh, you're privileged to serve. And so how, how did you get started as a contractor? Well, it's a family business, and my father started this business in uh, 1945. I'm the last of six children, so my father was actually old enough to be my grandfather. My parents were 44 and 42 when I was born, so even though this is a second-generation business, it's more like the third generation because my brother-in-law, who is married to my oldest sister, was the generation in between, and he was president of the company for a while. He has since retired. That's right. Uh, and so that's how I came into the to the family business. Actually, I told my father I didn't want anything to do with it. Uh, but then I found myself needing a job. Oh, I thought it was out. They pulled me back in. <laughs> so, that, so that was it. And you haven't looked back. What year was that? Do you remember? 1979. No kidding. Back then it was disco. Now it's Costco. Yeah. <laughs> back then we had long hair. I've seen pictures and now we're longing for hair. It's a good thing. Yes, I, I definitely had long hair, and now I have no hair. I guess that's the payback. Well, I just tell people I wore mine out praying. What's their excuse? So it sounds better. sounds more noble. <laughs> so I know you spent a lot of time working with uh, young contractors. You're a mentor to a number of guys. I think a Wayne and a few other guys. T- tell me about that. You, I mean, you obviously started kind of giving back. What 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 motivated you to do that? Well, you know, I think the majority of of people like helping other people and and many times we just nobody asks so we don't get that Mm. opportunity and um you connected me with with wayne booth who has been a phenomenal success story because he was like a sponge and he had never been exposed to a lot of the material that i was able to expose him to and he really absorbed it and put it into practice and he has grown exponentially from uh, about a half a million to probably close to seven million this year in, in maybe six years. So, 
uh, he's a phenomenal success story, and it's I tell him every time that he tells me how much he appreciates what I did for him. I said, Wayne, you've helped me as much as I've helped you just watching you grow. And, and the joy that I receive from from helping someone and, and watching somebody actually take the information and implement it. You, but you have a servant's heart, and that carries over into the people you serve. Your employees love working for you. You, you spent a significant amount of time and effort and resources training. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, we, we decided, I, I'm from the Ron Smith School of Heating and Air Conditioning. Ron Smith is one of my mentors and friends as well. And um, many years ago, I went through dominant market share with, with Ron Smith. And one of the things that he taught us was the importance and the significance of continuous training. And when I came back from that after a year long with him, uh, once a quarter, we built a significant training room and facility and I think it's extremely important to have uh, meetings and communicate what's going on in the company, what our expectations are, what our goals are, but also to have customer service training and technical training. I think a lot of contractors probably do technical training, but I believe the customer service training is probably more important than the technical training. Uh, it's a lot easier to fix the air conditioner than a person. Right. What a great quote. It is. That's really true. You have a you have a giant poster in your training room, which, by the way, your training room is phenomenal. This is I love being there. But there's a big poster that says Lester. Tell us about that. Uh, well, that's an acronym that you taught me. And uh, when you were here doing one of the one of your trainings that you've done for the entire company, you taught us what Lester was. And I thought it was so significant that uh, I made that part of our training room. Yeah, I was I was blown away that that really made my day, you know, listen actively, echo and emotion, sympathy versus empathy, thank the customer, evaluate and respond. And, you know, I love acronyms because they're a mnemonic. They're an easy way to remember something important. I, I know you're big on service groups. How many service groups do you have currently? I don't know the exact number, but it's somewhere between 3,500 and 4,000. Okay. And for Augusta, Georgia, a market of how many people? Um, the The... Large metro area, which encompasses several counties, is about a half a million, but probably closer to 350,000 in our service area. Okay. And it's the home of James Brown for for any rock and roll aficionados, right? Is the statue still there downtown? Oh, yes. They've actually redone that area and cleared it out so that it's much more visible and, and a, a lot nicer down there now. I remember you took a picture of me with my arm around James Brown. He's like 5'7". <laughs> yeah, he was not a real tall guy. That's why he wore those platform shoes. Right? Yeah, like Prince or you know, whoever. Yeah, that's good. Uh several years ago I dared you to write a book. I, I think I I think I even pushed you. And you know, uh and you said, Stop it. And I said, Well, you know, you're giving this talk to these colleges on a regular basis. So before you talk about the book, talk about the are you still giving the talks to colleges? Yes, well, one of the professors that I was visiting at least twice a year has retired, and, and so I've spoken to the person that has taken his job, but we haven't scheduled anything yet. But I thoroughly enjoy passing knowledge to the next generation and to anyone naturally that will listen to it. It's one of my passions, and it's one of the things that I really, really love and enjoy doing. So most of the time, if not all of the time, what I speak about are, are business ethics and, and goals and um, doing the right thing and just being a good person. And I think sometimes 
kids don't hear that enough these days. Right. And I can vouch for you, Rick. You are a good person. Uh, you're a joy to be around. So, so you wrote this little book. And when I say little, I mean how many pages? Uh, well, it's 40 Simple Habits. Um, so it's maybe 50 total pages because there are a few pages of other things. Um, and I, um, I was sitting on my front porch, which, you know, is like my favorite place in the world to reflect <laughs> and, think and, and chill out after a day at work. And um, I started thinking about all of the things that I had learned from my parents. Was, this was shortly after both of my parents had passed away. And, and honestly, within probably five minutes, I listed 40 topics. Um, and then it took me quite some time to finish and write each of the topics. Fortunately, because you prodded me and my wonderful wife prodded me, I finally finished the book after probably two years after I was inspired to write it. And I, I tell everyone, you know, that book didn't come from me. It came through me. Yes. Because as fast as I could write, I was writing. And honestly, until I got through, I didn't even realize some of the things I had written. Right. That's, I call that being in the flow. And when that happens, it's like, you're right. It comes from somewhere else. And then when you read it, it, it's like, well, this twin brother of mine must have written it because there's no way I could have written this. <laughs> I know. It's an odd feeling. It, it, it really is. And, and I write a lot of other things in, on the front porch, and sometimes it's just what you said. You, you write something one night, wake up the next day and read it, and go, I don't even remember writing this. Right. Um, yeah, that's uh, Napoleon Hill used to call it infinite intelligence. You know, that's where it comes from, someplace else. Right. Well, I, a lot of people uh, say I'm ADD. Hey, is that a squirrel? And uh, sometimes I forget to uh, finish the thought. So let's go back to service agreements for a minute. So you have 3,500 to 4,000. Why service agreements? Why is that so important to your business? Well, it's the foundation of the business. Um, those customers are, without a doubt, the most loyal. And you have to treat them as though they are because they are the most loyal. So they get special privileges and we go out of our way to make sure that they're happy. Uh, they won't call anyone but us. And after a period of time of, of having an experience with our company, you know, hopefully they won't even consider calling anybody else. Right. But you have to wow them and you have to provide a level of customer service that's above and beyond their expectations, which is always a challenge. But, um, Life is a challenge. <laughs> so when it comes time for them to replace their equipment and they need an add-on replacement quote, do they do they even talk to anybody else or do they just call you? Many of them don't. They just call. In fact, this is funny you asked because yesterday we had a customer, the technician was at his house, and he told him he, he really needed to replace his unit. And, and the guy said, look, I don't just come do it. Whatever it costs, it costs. Just send me the bill. Just I don't even want to talk to a sales guy. Just y'all send send the crew out here and put a new unit in. I trust so, you saved me some time. Right. And uh, and when you have that kind of relationship, because of the trust that's built over time, and they know that you're going to do the right thing and give them a fair price and, and do the job correctly, um, that to me is the most rewarding part of being in business, to have customers that trust me and our company and our technicians and our sales staff and everyone else that much because that's what it's all about to me it's about the relationship isn't it yeah 
It, it really is. I'm that's always amazed. I, oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. That's, that's what makes it fun. I mean, that's what makes it fun to me. And that's the reward. As the president of the company, you don't have a lot of other people telling you you're doing a good job or patting you on the shoulder or all of those things. I mean, from time to time, the employees will tell you how much they appreciate you. But right. customers are my boss. So the customers are the ones that, that pat me on the back and tell me we did a good job. Right. And that's who, that's who matters, right? They, they're really the boss. They are the boss. Nobody here gets paid unless they write our paycheck. Right. And Red Motley said nothing happens until a sale is made. He said that in 1954. It's really true. Uh, You know, uh, what the fascinating thing about uh, this industry and this business is, and I, I, when I walk up to a flip chart, I, I draw this diagram and I put money in the middle and then around in a little triangle, uh, service agreements pointing to an arrow pointing to add-on replacements pointing to repairs, right? And it's the, it's the, it's the wheel, it's the cycle, right? It's this flywheel of success. And in, in bad times, right, people spend less money on add-on replacements, but it increase, the increase in repairs, right? And if, since we have a recession every 7 to 11 years, that's an important distinction, then when the economy is good, add-on replacements go up and repairs go down. But the one constant, back to your point, is the service agreements. It's the, it's the glue that holds all that flywheel together. Without a doubt. It's interesting if, because if one of those is missing. Anyone... No, no, if, what, if one of those pieces is missing, I mean, you know, if you're not, if you're not doing all three, you're not going to have the flywheel flying around on a regular basis. You won't have the steady cash flow. You won't be able to track great technicians. Absolutely. Uh, and if there's anyone listening that does not have a service agreement program, I would highly recommend. There, there are a number of different ways to start. There's a lot of information out there in our industry now about service agreements and how to create service agreement programs. Um, get started because it is the one thing that will keep you in business and profitable forever. I think you said to me one day, the road to wealth is paved with service agreements. And I, I agree with that. I think that's absolutely true. Uh, you, uh, you, Gosh, years ago, you told me a story. I mean, it's a family business, right? Started with your dad. And now your daughter's working for you, right? Right. And you have a granddaughter, a grandson. And some, hopefully, if we live long enough, you know, he'll, he'll come on board. But you told me a story about uh, the first date with your wife and your father-in-law sitting on the front porch when you pulled up. Would you mind telling that story? Well, that's a funny story, but you, you've got the facts just slightly incorrect because this okay. wasn't when I dated my wife. This was a girl that I dated in high school. <laughs> so, okay, I won't tell Tammy. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, she's heard the story, too. She thought it was hilarious. <laughs> and actually, this is the same way I did when I had boys calling on my daughter, so I, I kind of did the same thing, and it, it worked right. really well. It's very effective on me. So I grew up in the country in rural Georgia, and uh, and I was dating this girl who lived out in the middle of nowhere on this farm, and I ride down her driveway to pick her up that night for a date, and uh, her dad is sitting on the front porch in a rocking chair with a shotgun across his lap. I, <laughs> I got out of the car, and I thought, uh, this is kind of interesting. And so uh, all he did was kind of nod <clears throat> his head at me as I passed by and I knew her brother and he was there and her mom met her mom and so I got ready to leave and her dad said uh 
boy, have her home at 11. You hear? (laughs) You hear was the most important part of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much all he said. So we were in town, which is a long way from her house because we were out. She lived out in the country and it was getting to be about 1030. And I said, well, we need to head back to your house. And she said, oh, no, don't worry about that. I said, no, I'm very worried about it. Excuse me. So he didn't shoot you, obviously, because you're here to tell the story. Right. Well, I got her home on time. I was uh, I respected his uh, opinion and his shotgun. Yes. And did you get a second date? Um, I, you know, I don't think I did because I really didn't want to take my chances with that shotgun. <laughs> but I know for a fact you have a rocking chair and a shotgun. So when your daughter's first date came over, were you sitting on the front porch as well? I was. I didn't do the shotgun thing, but I did do something else. It was uh, another funny story, and I, I don't even want to go into that. But I kind of threatened the kid <clears throat> in a joking way, and he took it seriously, and they went to church with us. And so the next, uh, he shared what I told him at, um, with his family, which was nothing terrible. I just told him if he ever did anything to hurt my daughter, I'd throw him in the pond and tie a concrete block around his feet first. <laughs> So, and that pond's little, deep. <laughs> yeah, it is. And uh, so we're at church the next Sunday, and his little four-year-old sister runs up to me and grabs me by the leg and says, please don't throw my bubby in your pond. And uh, I could have crawled under the door of the church. Fortunately, his parents had a sense of humor and understood that I was joking when I said that to him. Right. But little kids don't know. They can't make that distinction. Uh, it was very effective. In fact, after after the young man graduated from college, he called me up just as a few years ago and, and asked if he could come see me. And he, we reflected on that story, and he told me how funny that was. So um, That's good know, stuff. Well. So it's a family business. Your daughter works for you now. What are the challenges of a family business? Because I know there's a lot of contractors out there that, you know, I read a book a number of years ago called You Can't Fire Me, I'm Your Father. And it was a great book on family dynamics. Tell us a little about the challenges of that. Well, you know, I think the what I've done with my daughters is the same thing that my dad did with me when I came into the business. And that is he he gave me an opportunity and it was up to me to do something with that opportunity. And he probably paid me less and worked me harder than any of the other employees. And for that, I'm very grateful. And so, you know, I've, I've done the same thing with them. And one of the things that he pointed out to me that I pointed out to them is that you don't, your, your last name is a responsibility. It's not a privilege and you have to earn respect. It's not a right. And you earn respect by treating people fairly and, and doing things uh, honestly and fairly and, and working your behind off. And so that's what I had to do. And, and that turned out pretty well for me and that's what they're doing. And so I, I'm, I'm really proud of, of both of them. And my youngest daughter, my oldest daughter is the one who's the mother of my first uh, grandson. And so she wants to be a stay at home mom. And we all knew that. So this is a temporary thing for her, but my youngest daughter was a business management major and, and, and an entrepreneurial brain and, she is. Uh, she started after she graduated college as the uh, financial administrator. <clears throat> She's currently a service manager, and as of January, she will be general manager. Oh, that's so great. It lightens your load, too, and you have somebody in that position you can trust. Yes, <clears throat> without a doubt, and it, it, it does. I'm looking forward to uh, taking a little bit more time off and sitting on the front porch a little bit more. Well, I'll tell you, that 
the you call it a pond i call it a small lake okay you, when you pull into your property there's this this long gravel driveway when you get there it's, it's this little oasis with a guest house and it's amazing you built a quite a quite a little nest there it's a pretty amazing place rick it's um it's conducive to thinking and imagining and reflecting yeah it's it's amazing now you're an empty nester the daughters have got, grown and gone your grandfather now what what are the joys of grandfatherhood well uh, my grandson is just uh, a little bit over, more than six months old and uh, he was at the house night before last and it's just so much fun i was sitting on the front porch with him in my lap pointing out all the critters that came by the deer and the squirrels and the owls and all the other things that come out through the woods and you know i know he doesn't understand any of that he's six months old but i thought you know this is going to be so cool to be able to do this with him as he grows up and grows older and will understand what all of these things are so it's uh it, it's just so much fun to have a, another generation to um to be able to teach and mentor and uh, go hunting and fishing with and all the other fun things i like to do yeah it's a legacy isn't it it's the shade tree we get to sit under yeah and then you get to send them home so it's even better <laughs> spoil them rotten pump them full of sugar and dump them off <laughs> so what what do you do i know this is a question that every contractor asks because it's the, probably the biggest challenge in our industry. What do you do to attract and retain employees? You know, that is without a doubt the biggest challenge in our industry. And it's a, it's a big challenge for us right now because we've been here for as many years as we have. And a lot of my technicians are now retiring. And, and we, we thought we had some in the, in the, uh, in the mill to take over, but some of those plans didn't work out correctly. So we're shorthanded right now. And we are getting very creative. We are, we offer signing bonuses. We have TV ads for employees. We're very involved with the technical schools. Fortunately, this past year, I was able to get a, a heating and air conditioning school put in one of our high schools here. And we we do anything and everything to try to attract people. And I've I've come to understand that I just have to to hire young people for attitude and teach them heating and air conditioning. Um, Finding a, a first-class skilled technician is almost impossible. Right. So you hire for attitude and train for skill. Yes. A number of years ago, I was having breakfast in Louisville uh, with the former president of ACA in Kentucky. And this particular gentleman had 120, uh, well, he was a plumber and an HVAC guy, so he had 120 techs and plumbers. And I asked him, I said, how in the world were you able to build an organization with 120 technicians? And he said, uh, you know, in that country drawl, he said, Mark, he said, I, you know, I have a simple process. He said, I, I believe that if you were ever a Boy Scout or a farmer, you grew up on a farm, he said, those are good places to start. He said, I, so the fellow tells me he was a Boy Scout on a farmer, I hire him without even looking at his resume. <laughs> and, I, and the light went on. And I, th I said, well, wait a minute. So what you're saying is, you know, with the farmer, you have the work ethic. And with the Boy Scout, you have the character. He said, exactly. And I said, and then I got to thinking, well, if I'm looking for that, those qualities, then I would go to 4-H and I would go to Boy Scout associations. 
And I'd, I'd get actively involved in Boy Scouts and I'd actively be involved in 4-H if I was looking for guys with character and work ethics. That's a great place to start. Right? If, if you're going to go fishing, right, you got to go put it in the right pond and use the right bait. Absolutely. And I I agree 100% with that. And, and honestly, the, the kids that we have that, that come from the country that grew up on farms are usually great workers. This is, they've got the work ethic. I mean, it starts at a really young age, right? Yeah. Got to milk the cows. The cows don't take the day off. Yeah, that's right. So you have, you have an extraordinary facility. You've, when you walk around the lobby of your, of your place, you see articles that were written about your company. How do you leverage uh, those kinds of things, articles for marketing purposes and sales? Well, there's a, I, I think there's kind of a fine line there between making people aware of, of those things and, and coming across as though that you're boasting about those things. And, and that's a, a fine line and a challenge. So uh, it, it's much better if you can get other people to talk about you than, than if you talk about yourself. But um, we try to make customers aware of, of the things that differentiate us from some of our competitors and not just those things, but what the benefit is of those things to our customers. So we've been in business for a lot of years. Well, how does that benefit our customers? Well, they know that we're going to be here. We're not going to go out of business tomorrow. We're going to continue to be here um, to take care of them. So if they have a problem, they have a dependable company. And there's a number of those things. I created a marketing piece called 15 Reasons Why Customers Choose Busby's. And with each of those reasons is a benefit to the customer. Which I've seen. It's excellent. It's a single sheet. Awesome. There's a, my favorite question, question is uh, what that means to you is. So you take any feature, you know, we've been in business since 1947. So what? Who cares? What that means to the customer is we're going to be around for another, you know, 50 or 60 years. You can trust us. Right. And, and I think if you go to our website at, at busbys.com, there are a lot of our marketing materials. And, you know, anybody listening to this can certainly take some of those ideas and make them their own. Um, that's pretty much what I did with everything. Let's take somebody else's idea and make it my own. It's easier than reinventing things. So just go to our website at busbys.com and go to About Us, and you'll see a lot of our marketing materials. Awesome. What, you also do some other things for marketing, but I know you lo- use a lot of television and radio. Are you still doing that? Yes, we do. Um, in our marketplace, television is a very good medium because it, it doesn't go really too far out of our service area so there may be a few people that see the tv commercials that are that are more distant than we want to travel but um it's a very good investment some of the larger markets television is almost not even an option cable may be but major network may not be here uh, major network is a it's been a very good option for us now your and brand was, promise is a is a little b your last name is spelled b-u-s-b-y busby but you created a b tell us about that well, a number of years ago, um, I hired a pressure washer to come to my house, and uh, and he did a great job. And pressure washing isn't something that you need to have done every six months or every year. So about three years later, I wanted to rehire this guy. Well, I couldn't remember his name. He never sent me a newsletter. He never sent me any follow-up material. He never stayed in contact. And so I went to the yellow pages, just, okay, this is before the internet, 
went to the yellow pages and all the pressure washers looked the same. And I thought, you know, if this is happening to me with him, it's happening to us with our customers. Mm. We may go out there and do a great job, but we all look the same. If they don't have a service agreement with us, and not everybody will, that will be your customer, um, then they just go to the yellow pages or the internet and we all look the same. So I wanted to come up with something that we could brand our company with that would be just with our company because I had have had competitors over the years kind of take some of our marketing campaigns or some of our ideas and make them their own. And with this, you can't really take the B and, and apply it to, to any other business because it's unique to us and, and our name. We built a whole marketing campaign around the B. Everything we do has the B in it. We have a B costume. It was professionally produced. So we go to a, to a lot of community events with Buzz the B. And uh, our tagline is give Busby's a buzz and we'll be there. And we answer the phone. It's a honey of a day at Busby's. So everything we do is about this B theme. And fortunately it works because I've had little children walk up to me and, and Walmart and start singing our jingle and I'm like yes we've made it to the next generation sweet so are you have you started your own brand of honey no not yet but that's a good idea we need to start that private label give it out baby I put honey in my coffee <laughs> I'd want to put Busby honey in my coffee if I could <laughs> that's that's a great idea that's what I'll do after I retire there you go just market and sell your books and sell honey on, on top of that. Well, you're honestly, Rick, I mean, I'm sure by now those who are listening have figured out that you're a good guy. You're a gentle soul. You're a loving dad. You're a caring employer. And I'm just honored and privileged to call you my friend. You're a, you're a class act, and I love spending time with you. And I appreciate that. There was a reason I made you my first guest. Well, thank you so much for those kind words, Mark. I really appreciate that. And I have... I think the same of you, and I have certainly enjoyed our relationship over the years and uh, and look forward to many more years to come. And I have been extremely blessed in my life with a lot of great people, friends, mentors, parents, coworkers, and um, I'm just a product of all of their input. Well, I'll be sending you a copy of my new book, Freedom from Fat. I just got the... <laughs> no, I'm publishing it. I'm, I'm really? now a publisher. Yeah, yeah. So I love it. I'm, I'm publishing this, man. I have to add publisher to my resume, but it, but it's, uh, I wasn't going to call it fat guy in a little coat, but I thought I didn't want a lawsuit with Lauren Michaels over Tommy boy. So I thought, well, I'll just call it freedom for fat and stay with the brand, but I'll definitely send you a copy of that. And you're probably going to want some for all of your employees, I'm sure, but uh, we'll figure that out in closing, Rick. And, and thank you so much for your time. What advice would you offer contractors if they wanted to grow their business and, and, you know, and be here for the long term? I would say, you know, pick one thing and, and service agreements is certainly a good one thing to start with and and develop a plan, implement it, stay on top of it and make sure that you continue to make it work and then pick another and another because you can't do everything at once. Um, you have to continually work on your business, not just in your business, if you want it to grow and prosper. And what you're talking about is a loose paraphrase of of the book, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Right. Michael Gerber has been a, a a mentor of mine, not personally. I did get to meet him one time. Um, 
but his books have uh, made a, an impression and his audio books and uh, he's one of my mentors and probably doesn't even know that. Well, and you know, the whole notion of working on your business and in your business is pretty simple. It just isn't easy. You know, you have to understand uh, how your business works. And so it's taking the time to sit down and say, okay, you know, it's building systems, right? It, this is a, this is a recipe. It's a cookbook. And you, you can hand that once you build the system, you can hand that to someone else and they can start a branch in a different city. They can have a better understanding of how things work. And so it's uh it's something I've done with my business for a long time. I have systems and process for almost everything I do. I think you have to, if you're going to grow and you're going to be able to step away and know that it's, that it's going to run without you, you, you have to develop systems and processes and, and then find good people and let them do their job. Tell them what you want and why and leave the how up to them and get out of their way. Right. The saddest thing I hear contractors say is, is I haven't had a vacation in five years. And I say, yeah, that's the saddest thing I ever heard. I don't, I don't think I would repeat that again if I were you. That's not something to brag about. What I'd like you to brag about is you take two months off a year and you travel around the world and enjoy some of this prosperity. And you have a, you know, you have people running your company that actually runs better when you're not there. I, I think that that's definitely should be everyone's goal. Um, and I would highly recommend that, that uh, everyone listening to this read the email because it will have an impression on you that will make you understand that uh, you're not supposed to have to do it, do it, do it, do it every day. Well, I think it was J.C. Penney that and I wrote this in my third book, A Simple Choice. He said, the turning point in my career came when I realized I couldn't do it all myself. And it was about delegation. It's finding good people, giving, giving them, you know, telling them what you want and getting out of the way. Exactly. Well, Rick, my friend, this was sponsored by EGIA. I don't know how much you know about EGIA, but uh, I don't know if uh, Lucas is on the line here. Can you can you chime in, Lucas, to so tell us a little bit about EGIA? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, EGIA is one of the leading industry trade groups for contractors. It's a member organization. We offer you know special financing deals for contractors, uh, the contractor marketplace, so you can get discounts on a lot of the equipment, tools, services that you already need to run your business. And then I think kind of pertinent to what you guys were talking about, EGIA Contractor University is our training and ongoing edu education platform. Um, and that's just, that's led by a dream team of industry educators, including our own Mark Madison here, uh, as well as Weldon Long, Gary Ellix, Drew Cameron, Brigham Dickinson, on down the line, they're creating really valuable materials for contractors. It's built on 10 core topics, kind of areas of importance that are proven to drive success in home services companies. And I bring that up because that's, that's pricing, marketing and lead generation, uh, in-home sales, mindset training, leadership principles, service technician sales, customer service and dispatching, service management operations, financial structure principles, and yes, service agreements. Um, so I think you guys talked about service agreements really well. Rick, you had some really great insights there. Uh, and I would just say that anybody who wants to learn a little more or a lot more about service agreements or any of those, any of those aforementioned topics uh, that are vital to contractors, EGIA members have access to just a myriad of training videos, templates, documents, webinars, and much more at egia.org slash university. So well worth checking out. Thanks, Lucas. And why I'd add one more thing, the, the fundamental distinction that separates EGIA from everybody else is it's nonprofit. That means that the contractors, uh, the money goes back to contractors. Yeah, There's one or two yeah. guys siphoning off a significant amount of that revenue that it's it's contractor centric. And that's one of the things that appealed to me when they approached me last year. So 
from all of us at EGIA and and for our fabulous guest this, this morning, Rick Busby. Thank you so much, Rick, for uh, taking so much time out of your busy day to share some of your insights. You're a good soul, my friend. Well, thank you, Mark. It was my pleasure. And to everybody else, you know, have a great day unless you have other plans. Look forward to the next podcast.